everything bass fishing. Coming to you worldwide from MegaWare KeelGuard Studios. Hey everybody, how's it going? Great to be back on another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Man, what a last few weeks of tournament bass, and we had some northern largemouth showing up, especially, though, smallmouth being the star of the show. Uh, we did have a couple of big tourneys, though, in southern United States, down there in uh, South Carolina. We're going to get into the uh, that here in a little bit. That was the Bassmaster Junior and high school anglers down there, sweating it out <laughs> in this July down there. So, But, but some good weights and, and some great events. We're going we're gonna to get to some of those winners but um man i want to thank all of you all for being here with another episode of bass edge radio that's right if you love the show be sure that you tell a friend uh we super appreciate all of y'all being here um as always a reminder to click that subscribe button hit the like button comment below let us know what you think of what we're talking about on the show let us know uh you know topics that you'd like to hear more about here on bass edge radio but uh man here we go Lots going on. I've got a pile of notes. There's been so much going on here the last couple of weeks. It seems like last segment, uh, that um, July uh, 5th, or yeah, July 15th edition, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of tournaments going on, but we had ICAST to talk about and some other cool stuff. But man, here we are, the August 1st edition, and uh, pfft, tournament season is back underway, that's for sure. Uh, Thank you, MegaWare Keelguard. Uh, continued support of Bass Edge Radio. MegaWare always protecting your boat from grinding rocks, abrasive rocks, concrete, and of course boat ramps with that keel guard. If you don't have a keel guard on your boat, make sure you get one, man. Everybody needs one. Uh, MegaWare Keel Guard. Um, they have a lot of other products you need to be aware of. Skeg Guard, Battery Guard, Scuff Buster, lots of great things there at MegaWare. Be sure to check out all those products at KeelGuard.com. You're going to find all kind of great accessories for your boat. But uh, here we go, man. Let's first recognize some young anglers fishing the BASS National Championship at Lake Hartwell just last week. Um, first, we're going to talk about the junior division, which happened uh, just a few days prior to the high schoolers uh, taking over there. I got to give an honorable mention to a couple of anglers from my youth fishing camp, and that is uh, Caleb and Isaac Tubia. They finished in 10th place. They were in the top five after day one. A little tougher day on day two, but still an outstanding event. Well over 100 teams in, in that junior. I, I don't know exactly how many it was in, in the junior division, but they, they had a 10th place finish, and, and they were from Kansas out there making things happen on Lake Hartwell. So happy for those two. The winners of the BASS Junior National Championship were Kale Temple and Luke Schnell, I think that's correct, or Schnell, from Georgia. They were real close. They lived close there to Lake Hartwell, right, right across the border there of South Carolina and Georgia, had extremely consistent weights, took home that junior title for the national BASS Junior Championship. So just, just super cool. As I mentioned, the, the juniors were out there. Um, just a few days prior to the high schoolers, the high schoolers stepped in, had a couple days of practice, and they had a day off, kind of giving, I think, you know, BAS is probably doing a good job on giving those fish a, a day of rest, but then they had 400-plus teams in this tournament, so that was uh, an undertaking to get all those uh, junior or high school anglers 
um, registered, of course, but that's probably another reason they had a day off. But uh, another honorable mention for a few campers from from, uh, my youth fishing camp, Pro Bass Camp, and that's Dylan Sorrells and Cullum Brown. They ended up, they were from Texas. They ended up finishing 19th place, like I said, out of over 400 plus teams. So congratulations to Dylan and Cullum having a great event. But the champions from South Carolina, little, little home cooking right here, but Mitchell Robinson and Cody Abbott took home the title. Yes, uh, that is the Bass Pro Tour angler's son, Marty Rob. Mitchell is Marty Robinson's son. So, um, interestingly enough, the same week Marty's other son qualified to fish the Bass Pro Tour through the MFL and MLF Invitationals. But we're going to have more on that to come here in a little bit. Uh, winner just the other day of the St. Lawrence BASS Elite Series Tournament, Joey Suentes, number two. Rookie angler knocked down win number two. First one at Seminole earlier this year at stop two. Now wins at Lake St. Clair. Uh, so big shout out to Joey, man. He is on fire. Joey's been around the game a long time. Don't think just because he's a rookie angler. He fished uh, the MLF Pro Circuit for several years. Um, uh, you know, still qualified to be a rookie on the BAS's Elite Series this year. Um, hadn't fished a whole lot of time as a pro, but but had dabbled in some of that stuff through the MLF before he, he jumped into the Opens and qualified for the Elite Series um, last year. So this is his first year on the Elite Series, but two wins. Wow, that is freaking awesome. Uh, Joey fished several years. Uh, if folks don't know this, Larry Nixon was a big mentor of Joey Suentes. And uh, it's cool to see that they're both now fishing on the Elite Series together, too. So that's pretty – I'm, I'm sure they're rooming together. I'm not sure that – I'm not 100% positive of that, but it's, but it's pretty cool to see them together. But holy cow, man. Joey showed out, but so did Lake St. Clair. They absolutely crushed the fish out there. Tons of 20-pound bags. I think it was 38 20-pound bags on day one. Took like 19 pounds just to be in the top 50. Uh, day two was no different. They absolutely crushed them out there as well. Um, I think St. Clair probably eclipsing uh, the St. Lawrence River at this event with just overall catch fest <laughs> i mean it was a catch fest they were catching tons of fish a lot of anglers reporting catching 40 50 fish a day um although st lawrence river still probably has the uh the crown for the big fish a lot a lot of a lot of you know five sixes and and even upwards of seven pounders at at uh at the st lawrence river you don't quite see that size over there um at the uh at, at Lake St. Clair, but still the numbers are fantastic. Maybe may on par for the best smallmouth fishery in the country. Uh, lastly, want to shout out on this elite event. Um, and there's nearly eight or nine anglers still in the game for this AOY. Uh, they've got, you know, an outside shot to take over. The current leader, by I think one or two points, is Brandon Cobb and Kyle Welcher. Uh, now sitting second. Kyle was leading going into this this event. Gave up a little bit there, but they're going to Champlain next and then Thousand Islands to, top, to tap off the season. So it's going to be interesting how that rolls through. Uh, then, like I said, we have lots going on, man. Just tons going on. The MLF Invitationals concluded their final event of the season up there on the Mississippi River out of La Crosse, Wisconsin. Matt Steffen took the title. Matt is... 
kind of local. I think you could call him a local up there on the Mississippi River. He's from that area of the country, from that Wisconsin area. Done really well on that river in the past. Um, and, and finally notches the win against several local anglers. A lot of local anglers jumped in this thing. Paid the $5,000 entry fee to get in this tournament. And won a lot of money. Won a lot of money from anglers in my opinion, that had been fishing this trail throughout the year. But that's kind of a different topic. But but Matt Steffen took down some of the best to uh, to win that event. Of course, we had uh, an AOI crown there. Ron Nelson wins the Angler of the Year title for that series in 2023. Um, and officially, well, this is officially unofficial, but it looks like the anglers that qualify for the Bass Pro Tour are going to be Ron Nelson, Matt Steffen, Keith Carson, that's uh, big buddies with uh, John Cox. Keith's been tearing up the trail the last couple of years. From Virginia, Martin Villa, looks like he qualified. From Pennsylvania, Gray Buck, good friend here of Bass Edge Radio. Also another great friend here of Bass Edge Radio, Nick Hatfield, looks like he punched his ticket to the Bass Pro Tour. And as I mentioned before, Marshall Robinson. Young angler from South Carolina, Marty Robinson's son. Uh, Marty Robinson, of course, fished the Elite Series for many, many years and now fishing on the MLF Bass Pro Tour. So Marshall joining Dad Marty on the Bass Pro Tour. Man, what an unbelievable week for the entire Robinson family. Congrats to both Marshall and Mitchell. But mostly, I got to give my hats off to, to Marty and Iris. I'd say they're the biggest winners. Well done, Mom and Dad Robinson. Super cool to see. Um, lastly, uh, well, not lastly, but another big event that went on here in the last week and a half was the Bassmaster Opens on the St. Lawrence River. Uh, won by a friend of mine, Jody White, a uh, guest here just recently on Bass Edge Radio. Jody had a great finish at the ABA uh, national championship on the Red River, so we brought him down for some for some chat about uh, cold water river bassing. He gave us a lot of information in the show. I think it was episode three ninety eight, uh, just just a few uh, months ago. So man, excited to see Jody's uh, excitement to win, but also the support that he received that he received in his success there. So. Fun to see. If you watch that show, you'll know that Jody White is a media guy for the MLF. So he fishes some bass events here and there. Uh, I think MLF has that whole deal where, you know, you can't win the lottery if you work for the lottery administration kind of thing. So so he doesn't fish any MLF events, but he's able to jump into a BASS event here and there because he, he's very good, loves bass fishing. He also is an instructor at, at my camp, so that's super cool to see. And there's three events left in this Bassmaster EQ division a, a brutal nine-event series, three to go. Excited. We're going to chat today with the points leader, JT Tompkins. We're going to get his thoughts, how his season has progressed, uh, his thoughts on maintaining the lead and getting that elite qualification ticket for 2024. It's going to be fun to talk to JT here in the next segment of this episode of Bass Edge Radio. Uh, there was another event. Um, I hate to put them down at the bottom, but it's kind of where the media is on this this tour right now. But I certainly want to mention them, the National Professional Fishing League. Uh, really cool precursor to what may happen and is going on right now in the Bass Pro Tour. Uh, that tournament started today, August 1st. So 
watch that Bass Pro towards the final uh, event of the regular season. But the National Professional Fishing Lair was there just again last last week or 10 days ago over at Sturgeon Bay. Trent Palmer out of Georgia won by two ounces over BASS Elite Series angler Patrick Walters. Patrick already had a win earlier this year on that tour at, at Santee Cooper and uh, almost got another one there. But Trent Palmer comes out victorious. Interestingly enough, Sturgeon Bay, you think real quick, smallmouth domination, lots of smallmouth. You know, they have a Sturgeon Bay open there in the springtime. And I can remember 10, 12 years ago, it was nothing to have, you know, a 30-pound sack for five fish limit. It was a team tournament, but they catch 30 pounds of smallmouth up there. Uh, high 20s was, was kind of just, you know, somebody else fishing. Mid-20s, you weren't even... You weren't even getting talked to by the MC crossing the stage at that at that event. But uh, anyway, largemouth seemed to dominate this event. I, I'm not sure exactly sure what's going on. We're going to find out more about what's going on with the smallmouth as this Bass Pro Tour event takes off because those guys are going to be hunting for some of the bigger fish. Particularly, not not to say the largemouth aren't big. They had 20 pound sacks, a uh, 22 pound sack of largemouth up there, but. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this kind of whole thing boils down and kind of what's going on with that fishery. Uh, the Sturgeon Bay Open this year, you know, smallmouth dominated, of course, and there was a 30-pound bag, So, but the bags just aren't, you know, as big through the field as they used to be. So it's going to be fun to watch this Bass Pro Tour event because there's going to be a lot going on with either largemouth, smallmouth, who tries, you know, something maybe a little bit off the wall. You got four anglers in the hunt for this AOI. And um, it's going to be interesting to see who can win, number one, the Bally Bets Angler of the Year title, but also who is going to punch their ticket to the Red Crest. That's also going to be decided this week. So um, as you can see, we're taping again here from the cabin. And it's, uh, I love, love being out here great this time of year but we're in western pa bass edge is on the road hang tight we're gonna come back after this break with bass elite qualification leader pro angler jt Thompson. we're gonna break down his success thoughts of the series it's gonna be a good one y'all stay tuned bass edge radio and be back you know the importance of protecting your investments so choose the protection the pros pick Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare Keel Guard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Insist on the original Keel Guard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare Keel Guard. A rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champions. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Alright, here we go. We're back. Back in the studio at the cabin. Like I mentioned before the break, the hills of Western PA. Great to be up here in the summertime. I gotta say, the weather is tons cooler than it is down in Texas right now. I know 
We got the man, J.T. Tompkins, on the horn with us, man. J.T., BASS Elite Series Qualifier, Angler of the Year leader. Welcome to Bass Edge Radio, J.T. How you doing? I appreciate the opportunity to get on this podcast today. Absolutely, man. It's great to have you here. Uh, so I got so I got to sell this for myself, I guess, a little bit. I've seen Jordan or JT. I've seen it both ways. How do you like to be recognized out there on the water? Probably JT. That's like my, by far, like my favorite. It's what I've been called basically my whole life by my parents and everything. And um, it's just the easiest. I don't even hardly respond to Jordan anymore, to be honest. <laughs> Very cool. All right, JT. So is that is that uh is the J for Jordan T for Tompkins? They just went JT. You got a middle name too. Yeah, I got Timothy. So it's Jordan Tim- Timothy Tompkins. So it's really like JTT. But we had like gotcha. I used to play soccer from a high school, and there was a ton of Jordans on it. So we just called me JT. He was the easiest. <laughs> All right, cool. I like it, man. Well, you come from a Bassin family, so it's no wonder your uh, middle name was Timmy. Uh, your dad's name's Timmy, too. Your father was a big-time angler, fished on the FLW Tour for several years, MLF Pro Circuit. I know he's still dabbling mm-hmm. in some events with you as well, fishing some of the Elite Series stuff. Man, how did you begin to receive that, you know, kind of bassin' experience as a young angler? And and, st- and I say a young angler. You're 21 years old now? Mm-hmm. 21. Yeah, yeah. so we're going to get into get into some of your accomplishments already, but, man, at 21. So, you know, how, growing up, you, you live in South Carolina, um, kind of on the coast, I think. Have you always lived there? And kind of give us some background of your experiences about how you how you grew up bassing. Yeah, so I, I grew up in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is basically on the ocean, and my home waters is Winyaw Bay. So I grew up fishing tidal waters my whole entire life with my with my dad, and really me and my dad. What'd you say? I said that's very cool. I love tidal oh, water yeah. fisheries. Oh yeah, tidal water is by far my favorite. I just I enjoy everything about it. Me and my dad, we kind of started learning how to fish together. My dad didn't get my dad didn't, he got a really late start in bass fishing. You know, late thirties or early thirties, mid thirties. And me and him both kind of started at the same time when I was about four years old. He started a few years before out of a little John boat. But um, we just started fishing little small tournaments around my house and stuff like that. And that's kind of how we both got our start. So that's okay. kind of where we learned to grow up fishing is the Winyo Bay. That's all. So you were able to kind of bounce things off each other. You're you're probably watching some stuff on YouTube or the internet, and he he might be reading some stuff in in Bassmaster or or FLW magazine, and you guys are just doing the mashup. Like, how do we figure out how to catch these things? Yeah, early on, it, I mean, I just I was just there to enjoy enjoy my time, like just learning the ropes of just beginning fishing, like when I was four and five, six years old, and then he kind of just started progressively getting more and more accomplished in the heat. We ended up fishing team trails is how we started. We fished team trails around the house. We ended up being three times point, cha- three times points champions, three years in a row. Wow. And, um, and then that was when I was around the early teens, like 10 to early teens time. Okay. And then my dad, he, he knew that I really loved fishing and really wanted to pursue it. And he said, he basically knew the only way that I could pursue it is that, that he pursued it first and kind of laid the path. Nice. So that's, he that's started awesome, fishing. Man. Yeah, it was it was super fun to like watch him grow as an angler as well. But he started fishing BFLs, and then he started jumping in some Toyota series, and then he also fished on the tour as a co angler. 
when I was like mid-teens and stuff like that. He started traveling a lot. And then he jumped in. He qualified. He, when he, he was number one in bass rankings as a co-angler's first year ever as a co-angler oh, on the FLW Tour. That's awesome. So that was pretty sweet to see, you know. And then he actually qualified to fish the FLW Tour then. And then I think he fished it for three years or two years. And then he decided that that I was old enough now that I could start fishing Toyota Series. I could start fishing Bass Opens. And that's when he took a step down and started fishing alongside of me in the Toyota Series when I was like 16. So wow. that's kind of how we got started. That's awesome. So Winyah Bay, you know, it really didn't hit the map, in, in at least for most mm-hmm people in the national perspective anyway until the elites you know went down there uh we saw you know a lot of great fish catches i remember carl jockamson caught caught a huge one there and they started fishing these rice fields up the river guys making these crazy long runs i remember uh uh boy duckett doing really well and um gosh uh brit brit myers um, Britt Myers was doing awesome in that tournament too. So that was kind of that first, that kind of drive that passion for you as well, just because now you saw, you know, like a national tournament there more or less in your, in your home body of water, kind of in your back, mm-hmm. back door there in South Carolina. Yeah, it was kind of super, it was surreal to see because I never thought there would ever be a big tournament on our home waters. And, you know, it's not, it's not very big. It's not, it's not very good. And, um, <laughs> So it was really cool to see all these elite guys in our home rivers, you know, seeing how they attacked it, seeing, you know, all this, all these different things was just super cool for me to see at a young age. And I definitely, I knew when I, I went to Georgetown and I watched the weigh in and I actually was there with Gussie and them. And then I saw all those guys and that's when I really truly knew that I, that's what I wanted to do for a living. And that's, you know, that one day if they ever come to Winyaw Bay, I want to be there. So that's kind <laughs> right, of the goal. Right. Home hometown angler for sure, man. And so uh, we we talked a little bit, man. You're you're a young dude, man. In 2021, you got your first AAA win in the Toyota Series. You were 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had fished an open there a few weeks prior. Kind of struggled a little bit. Looked like you just stayed to figure it out, and you figured it out enough to win a Toyota Championship or a, or a Toyota Series regular series event. Um, man, what did that win do for your early maturation progress? Yeah, so like you said, the we had a tournament there in the Bass Open. I made a long run, and I knew that I made a mistake. You know, and the thing is, when you make a mistake, when you make a long run, it's it's too late usually. Right. So I ended up staying there, like you said, and that that showed me i learned a lot from that first bass open it showed me that you know where risks can work and where risk can you know fall apart so i ended up seeing those two weeks and tried to figure out a winning pattern and i ended up working out and that kind of showed me that you know if i put my mind to it work extremely hard and you know stay at these places for a long time i will have a shot to win eventually and if i put myself in enough situations where i have a shot to win i eventually could win so that was the kind of that was where the confidence came from. That if I spend time on these bodies of water, that I'm I'm good enough to be able to win on these bodies of water. And all I had to do is go and put my time in and work extremely hard. And when I when I ended up winning and kind of after put my mind to it, it gave me the most amount of confidence in the world to go to other lakes and try to do the same thing and replicate it. So yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 replicate it. You did, bro. So so you come back the next year, uh, 2022. You're fishing. Um, I'm not. Did you fish all the Bassmaster Opens in 2022? Also. Yes, I did. Okay, so so uh, you're fishing the Northern Division as well, um, along with the Southern and Centrals, and um, you go to the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, you get another W. So now you got two AAA wins. Now you've won a Toyota Series event. You've won a Bass Open event. You win this one on the Chesapeake Bay. And dude, you are like off and running here. You're qualified for the 2023 Bassmaster Classic. Um, Man, you're putting together these winning ways at a at a young age. Kind of, you know, what's going through your mind to to make these decisions or this process uh, successful for you? So, I always love listening to Brandon Pollock and these guys because one of my favorite things that Brandon Pollock, I'm pretty sure, is hard work. Like, there's no such thing as luck; it's hard work meets opportunity. And that's something that I've I've lived by for a long time. And you gotta you gotta have a little bit of luck when you win these tournaments period. Right. Right. And the thing is when he said, and the thing is the better you are and the harder you work, the more lucky you will get. That's another thing that I've always heard. So I knew if I go to these lakes, just like, you know, um, where's it? Harris. And I put my time in and work extremely hard that luck will eventually, or hard work will eventually meet opportunity. I'll get lucky enough to win again. And it just happened. It just happened to be, on Chesapeake Bay, and you know, I, I really felt it felt at home there. It's a tidal water. I grew up fishing there my whole entire life, and I had a couple things happen in that tournament that was pretty awesome. Like we had a full moon, so I knew it tripped up a lot of people with the tides, and I had a little bit of advantage when that type of stuff. But that's kind of how I feel like my chances of winning has been a little bit higher than most people's, is because okay. I have the opportunity because my parents to go to these places and spend a lot more time than most people prior to these tournaments. And that's kind of what, that's kind of the game plan me and my dad have laid out for my career is, you know, I have the opportunity to kind of do as I please when it comes to traveling, fishing, and not have to be stressed. I don't have a lot of stress when it comes to it. And my dad basically just asked me to outwork a lot of people and work extremely hard, as hard as I possibly can. And as long as I do that, that I can do it. So that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude, that is that is awesome. Well, putting the time in, you definitely are. It's great to see, and it shows when you put the time in. It's it's not always, you know, like you say, luck. It's creating opportunities and creating understanding, creating more experiences for you that you're able to pile those things up and put yourself in a position to win. Done it twice now. I'm I'm feeling there's more going to be coming, man. You've got a cousin, Jacob. I see this Tompkins name right everywhere, and and now I see Jacob Tompkins fishing the BASSE. EQs. Uh, he's your cousin, I understand. Um, do you guys work together? Do you travel together? Are you guys doing your own thing out there? Or what's what's the dynamic of, of having a family member out there, you know, uh, fishing the same events with you? And obviously, we talked earlier, your dad fishes a lot of these events too. I know he missed the St. Lawrence event, but, but he's out there as well. So how does that whole process work for you all as a family? Yeah, I mean, in this game, it's extremely hard to trust a lot of people. Like, I think a lot, everybody knows that when it comes to bass fishing. Bass fishing are, aren't known to tell the truth. So, it really... <laughs> it's Bunch the, of fibbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, that's where I think, like, I have another really big advantage is having family there with me all the time that I can trust 100%. Like, my yeah. dad, he will, he's never going to lie to me. He's actually going to, he's going to sacrifice, you know, himself. Areas. 
push me, you know, even further. So that's another big advantage that I have, you know, in these last few years is that my dad, me and my dad work together, I think probably better than anybody. Like, I don't think there's many people that have the teamwork that me and my dad do. And then also my cousin, you know, this is his first year. He fished co-angle. He co-angled last two or three years on the bass opens out of the back of my dad and my boat. You know, he's stepping into the front of the boat, and, you know, it's a learning experience he's, he, that he's going through, same one that everyone goes through. And we're working together trying to get him over the hump, you know, of, you know, the, the rookie season and, you know, that learning curve. So, absolutely, we work together, you know, we travel together, and um, hopefully very soon we'll start seeing a lot of results, and I'm sure it will. And that's that's kind of the, the thing. It's all teamwork out here. Like, that's yeah. all you can do. See a lot of that with the uh, their brothers, of course, but the Johnstons. Exactly. Uh, you see that with Chris and Corey, how they've been able to kind of, you know, work that magic. Their dad, you know, behind them, really helping them push them or give them an opportunity to succeed. The the cool thing is, is that similar to you, Chris and Corey took that opportunity and excelled with it. That doesn't happen all the time. We're seeing the same thing. It seems like with with UJT, uh, you know. Timmy's giving you the opportunity to to have this platform, but you've got to put in the work. You got to catch the fish, put in the time, and uh, you're capitalizing on it. So, dude, it's that's uh, something to be said, man. That's that's very cool. I know there's a lot of folks out there that talk about, well, you know, the guys that are fishing the EQs, especially the younger anglers. Well, you know, they're kind of spoon fed or, or these types of things. But man, that doesn't put fish in the live well, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, here's like. All these young guys, they have, they don't have the experience. They have time. That's where a lot of these things come in. Like, a lot of the older guys that are extremely good at the sport, you know, they had all these years of experience that they have on these bodies of water that they work for, and right. maybe they didn't have the time that we have. And that's where you know all these younger anglers are having to take an advantage of. We're having to take advantage of our opportunity from our parents giving us a lot of time, sure. and. And realistically, you know, we still have a lot less time than these guys in the water. You know, we're just putting in our time now and, and are more adjusted to the current days of the sport. Yes. So yes. it's, 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 I think this is one of the only sports that I've ever been in that people get faulted for hard work. <laughs> right, like, right. You don't ever hear of a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant, man, if, if well, anybody could be good if, you know, if I was in the gym every single day working hard, that Michael Jordan, true, he, right. Yeah. yeah, like you don't hear that about other sports. This is one of the only ones. Right. And just because it's, you know, somewhat frowned upon to live at these places for months and, you know, work extremely hard doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not going to take this advantage, this advantage I have on a lot of people and opportunity that I have and waste it because I feel like that would be a disgrace to a lot of people who don't have the opportunity that wish they had it. Yeah, man. And that's the way I look at it. And I never want to be able to, you know, I don't want to squander this opportunity that I have that my parents and everyone around me have given me. Yeah. So I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to make this happen, you know, for those people. So. Very well said. Very well said. Very, very respectful, dude. That was, that was awesome. Uh, you don't hear that a lot, but uh, you, you heard it from JT right here on Bass Edge Radio. That was uh, very well said, man. You've got a formula for success now on the Bass EQs. Uh, I'd say, obviously, you've been the most consistent angler all year. You're leading the angler of the year at this moment. Um, you almost made it through the Northern Division last year. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break here in a second, but before you go, um, you know, 
do you feel now that you're leading the EQ system? It's a lot different than, you know, the, the three event series that you've been fishing, even though you fished all the divisions last year. Now it's this cumulative situation, nine events throughout the year. You're leading after six. What's your thought process and just the overall, you know, kind of kind of going back to that same scenario that that we just talked about but the eq system you got to be all in whereas before you could fish three events and still make the elite series you can still Mm -hmm. make the classic now just fishing a single division but to make the the elite series you got to be all in you know how's it feeling different or is it feeling any different comparative to the last couple years that you fished you know singular divisions even though you fished all of them now that you're in a nine event eq series events Yes, I, I really do like this new format. You know, I know a lot of people don't exactly like it because it takes an opportunity from a lot of the local guys that, you know, sure. can't travel for a living, which I completely understand. And it, this sport is a very tough sport to make it. But, you know, a lot right. of sports are, especially when, you know, it, any other sport in the world, it's hard to make a, it's hard to make it professionally when you also have a job at home. Like, and fishing is just getting to the point where it's so big, it's becoming like all these other sports, basketball, football, where time like you can't have a job and be in the nfl nfl is your job and fishing is just getting so big that that that's where we're going you know that i think it's a really good place for this sport that that's where it's going because that shows improvement it shows growth and it shows that that's you know that's what you want in a sport so just be a weekend angler hack and and, and yes. qualify. right right yes and if you if you are a weekend with a with a job you have to delegate time which i don't i don't know anything about so i can't speak on that but i think you can still do it i know i know a lot of open guys who like i know people who slept in tents i know the people that sleep in their trucks at boat ramps they have jobs they go home mow grass they do it they get out here and do it all night so i know if they can do it a lot of other people can do it because they don't they didn't come from money they didn't come from a lot of other places but they just got out there you know and did it they you know, that's just what you got to do nowadays because that's where the sport is going. It's getting more difficult. And I, I think this is the where it should go, personally, because I know the last two years, not last year and the year before that, I missed the elite, quali- elite qualification by one spot both years. Right. right. And it was a three-event trail, but I was nowhere near the angler that I needed to be to be in the elites. Mm-hmm. I got lucky for three events. Not lucky, mm-hmm. but, you know, I had I – had, Three tournaments in a row go my way to the point where I'm qualified. But now that's not going to happen anymore. You can't string together nine events off luck or <laughs> right, on a right. roll. You you can't be a ledge guy and have three ledge tournaments and qualify. You can't be a smallmouth guy and have three smallmouth tournaments and qualify. Yeah. So now it's becoming what it should be. Like you should qualify the same way that you're going to fish in in the elites. It's going to be nine tournaments across the country. I mean, that's, if that's how the tournaments and the trail you want to fish are going to be, that's probably you want to be the most prepared for that. And I think this is the best preparation you can get currently for for the qualification. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It's it's an interesting concept. I see both ways, as obviously you do as well. But uh, I see also the guys out there that, that are, are making it happen who, you know, maybe on paper you'd say, ah, man, there's no way they could do that. But they, they have the dream, they have a goal, and they have a mission, and, and they're putting it to the test and, and, and 
giving themselves an opportunity to to try and succeed out there, which is which is super awesome. So now we're going to take a short break here to catch a breath. Uh, a couple more thoughts in the second segment on your success, how technology continues to evolve, but. Uh, a special thanks real quick to Bass Pro Shops as the presenting partner of this Feature Angler Spotlight segment here on Bass Edge Radio. We're going to be right back for more with BASS Open's Angler of the Year leader, J.T. Tompkins. Plenty of sunshine. Come on, man, let's roll! What the... To catch the fish... You need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. Here we are. Welcome back to more Bass Edge Radio. We got JT Tompkins in the house. Bassmaster opens EQ current angler of the year leader. Um, we're gonna dive into some technology now, JT. It's been a great first half of the interview, really getting to know you a little bit better, understand the process you're going through here on the EQ system, this new Bassmaster open system for 2023. But, uh, man, I was watching the Elite Series at St. Clair, heard a lot, looked at a lot, seen a lot of people looking at their Active Target or their Garmin Live Scope, maybe their Humminbird Mega Live. Um, I've heard a lot about limiting some of this technology. First, I want to talk to you, how big has, you know, scoping or just let's, let's call it forward-facing sonar been for you this year in in you know, being extremely consistent on the Bassmaster Elite Qualification Tour. Absolutely. Um, scope is a tool that I use everywhere I go. I mean, it's something that you have to use everywhere you go. Every, you know, a lot of our casts nowadays are dedic- are with pan optics. Like, you want the whole entire goal of fishing. Like, if there's anything to take from fishing, if you draw it down to one little thing, it's putting your bait in front of the most, most amount of fish in the most profitable way possible mm-hmm. and no tool does that better than live scope so of course i'm gonna have to take advantage of it as much as i possibly can right and you know you follow alabama we were jerk a lot of people caught up jerk baiting brush piles along with me and you know that's of course you know live scope and then everywhere you've went this year you know live scope has been in play for sure and i enjoy it i i do love you know getting behind live scope and picking apart these fisheries with it you know finding right. new ways to catch fish I think it also opens the sport up to new ways that we've never seen of catching people catching fish. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know at Champlain and other places, they're catching fish now that people never even knew existed. Like, (laughs) in the middle of nowhere that no one even knows about. So, I think it opens up the sport to a lot of growth and new things. But I also see where it can become monotonous 
you know, for some people to watch that don't have live scope, don't understand it. And, you know, they just think you'll just cast and you just cast to a fish and you catch it. But I think if it was that simple, I think a lot of, a lot of people, you know, probably be a lot better at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this weekend, it's a great, great to hear your, your perspective this weekend, you know, watching, uh, bass live and, and kind of following this st Clair event you heard about some of these anglers having dual forward facing sonars on their trolling motor uh forward facing sonars on the transom of their boat um even some of them going as far to which if if anybody follows the saltwater world which you being from myrtle beach area you might know about some of this stuff already but um you know there there's some transducers now these are crazy it's not like twenty thirty thousand dollar transducers but but you know, there's even some smaller saltwater transducers that we think right now we're looking at 80 to 120, maybe 130 feet out. These these transducers that some of these anglers have on their bass boats can see 30, or excuse me, 300 feet out. Do you think that, in your opinion, there should be a uh, a limitation to to the technology that you can utilize in the bass fishing game, or do you think we should just keep keep pushing the envelope, let, let the anglers use whatever they can find out there to use to give them uh, a continued advantage from this technology perspective of the sport. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always a line in everything. So I don't know where that line is. I haven't, it's not something I've dedicated a ton of, a ton of thought to, but you know, I know I've seen, I've seen some of these boats. I've seen boats with six pan opposites, three on the back, three on the front. Right. And, you know, personally, I can't do it. I'm not a good enough angler. I can barely keep track of. I ha- I mean, I'm known to have some of the most graphs in the like. I have six 12 inch <laughs> graphs in my boat. You got big ones everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, like, majority of my thing is mapping. That's one thing I I use a lot of my graphs for is mapping. Okay. I'm not. I only have one tra- transducer on my boat. Okay. All I use. And, Let's um, talk about that then, real quick. Mapping, you know, you know, another another new. It's well, it's not new, but you know, it's continuing to evolve. You know, you got the yeah. Lake Master, you've got um, Navionics. Um, you know, none of them are perfect, but when you start combining some of those, even now, you know, combining a satellite overlay uh, with some different water levels potentially on 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 your graphs, you're starting to get a lot more information to read a lot more. Do you find that this uh, you know, from a contour perspective, do you think you need both, or do you think you can get away with one? I th- I think you need all three. You need all three. Yes, because you know I've seen situations everywhere I've went in the country where certain ones play. Like I've seen where Navionics maybe has more community edits that I've taken advantage of, or you know, it shows a different year where there's you know an entire new creek with a new marina in it, and it shows that new marina where other ones don't, and I probably wouldn't have picked up on it. And I've also seen Lake Master. I think everyone knows Lake Master probably has the best overall mapping no matter where you go. Yeah, from a topo standpoint, right? That's what you're yes. talking about. Yeah, the right. contour lines are probably the most accurate out of anyone's at right now, Lake Master is. But also, you go to St. Lawrence River, the Canadian side's not mapped right. at all on Lake Master. So that's when you got to move over to Garmin. When Garmin has extremely good mapping, especially in open water. When they have open water, the mapping system that they use is not very good in shallower water the where there's stumps because it's a completely different transducer yeah so that's when i think like i i 
I don't have a Garmin in the back of my boat. I actually just use the Active Captain on my phone, which is a great app. I think all these um, graph companies have their own advantages to all their graphs. I think, you know, they do their own thing really, really well. Yep. So, so are you I, using Active Captain on like an iP- iPad? Just my iPhone. Oh, just on your iPhone. Okay, cool. Yep. So I just use it on my iPhone. I just idle around, you know, look at my phone in certain areas like that. And then I have Navionics on one side and then I have my Lake Master on the other. So I, I use all three maps when I'm in certain places. Right, and right. All three maps are definitely profitable and needed in certain areas to be yeah. as efficient as possible. How do you, I mean, that, that, that's a, it's a task in itself, right? I mean, kind of making sure you have all the latest downloads, uh, your graphs stay up to date, you're dealing with different brands. So, you know, that, that becomes a different process as well. And, and just getting to know those processes take a little bit of time, right? Absolutely. It's a lot of, it's a lot of times where you get to a place and you're mapping, you're like, man, this mapping sucks. And at the end of the tournament, hear this guy talking about oh yeah garmin just came out with this new mapping and this whole lake was mapped out perfectly and i was able to run around and you're, and you're just looking like gotta be kidding me <laughs> right, you know, I, just, right. I just spent my entire practicing scanning contours that don't even exist and so it's a lot of trial and error and it's just like any other job in the world or something you take seriously you got to study it you got to understand what's going on in the industry what companies are progressing towards certain things and understanding you know what to take advantage of the fastest because whenever new technology comes out you don't want to be the last guy hopping on the train yeah yeah. and getting left behind so that's another quick get left behind happens real fast (laughs) (laughs) all right good stuff man that's uh so do you use uh some of the satellite imaging as well while you're out there yeah Yeah. like i got a bunch of satellite chips for graphs i got i use i mean i'm on google earth i mean i use google maps google earth and um Apple Maps, you know, those are the three. Then I can also go on the internet and go on that, go on Google Earth websites and scroll through the years. Right. Like on my phone, I think, like I just looked at it the other day, talking about like what it tells you what percentages from um, <laughs> usage. I think Google Earth is like twenty percent of my battery usage. Safari, Fast Live is like forty something percent. Like my phone is just a big tool for you know bass fishing. So right. I definitely try to take advantage of Google Earth as much as possible. So you talk about Bass Live a little bit. We just talked about watching the St. Lawrence River, of course, the MLF. And you, and you fished the MLFs in the past. You won a Toyota Series event. Your father fished the FLW Tour and then and then progressed into fishing the MLF Pro Circuit for several years as well before you mentioned that he kind of stepped back so you guys could kind of work this new path together and, and him, you know, and you, you fish a lot of the same events. Um, is there a distinction between – you know, why you decided to fish the EQ series versus, you know, why why you decided not to fish maybe the, the Invitationals. And because I see a lot of young anglers, some of them fishing both and just taking whatever path of kind of least resistance there might be to get to the to the top level. Because let's face it, you know, in order to get, you know, some decent sponsorship contracts and really start to make some money in this sport, you've got to be either on the Bass Pro Tour or the, the, uh, the MLF Bass Pro Tour or the BASS Elite Series. Um, was that a conscious decision that you went one way or the other, or was it just kind of just a flow that happened for you? No, um, it was a conscious decision that me and my dad, you know, my dad helped me make. And then also I talked to some sponsors. I talked to guys in the elites. I talked to guys in the BPT, and I made a conscious decision that I feel like the elites might not be the um, the best right now. 
but I think it's the most overall consistent. It's been around the longest. It's it's never, and I don't think it's going to change. And I think there's always a home for. I think it's always going to be a home for some of the best anglers in the world. And yeah. I think it's the most consistent. And I love I love MLF. I love bass. I love every. All these trails yeah. have very good things with them. Yeah. Like BPT, one good thing that I know about them is they they split their days up into two days, forty anglers each day and then they have 10 camera boats so out of 80 guys 20 guys are guaranteed to get a camera in their boat no matter what to where back you're only getting probably 10 because only 10 cameras 100 guys so your chances of getting camera in your boat getting live coverage you know representing your sponsors is a lot lower in that sense you know for bass but also i think bass is maybe a little bit bigger currently you know they get more views they um Another big thing is the Bassmaster Classic. Whenever I went to that Bassmaster Classic, I just knew that I had to do that again. Like, there's right, right. way I could – I mean, that's it was the Bassmaster Classic. It was exactly what everyone hyped it up to be and more. And there's a lot of hype around the Bassmaster Classic, and it's one of the only things that lives up to the hype. Yeah. yeah. So that was where I kind of swayed over to the elites even more. And plus, I like how the, the qualification formula was mm-hmm. a little better. You know, they have two days of practice over there at the two and a half days of practice of the Tech Warehouse Pro Circuit. Yep. And so for my young career, I could do it. I would have to do a lot of pre-practice. I don't mind, like, when they changed the practice from unlimited last year to five days or four and a half days, whatever it is. Right. You know, I'm actually having a better year this year. So I don't think shorter practice would hurt me currently because I actually think it would help me. But for my overall learning as an angler, every single hour on the water is just a small percentage better I get. And I know that the opens, it's more tournaments. It would push me further. And I knew I had more practice. So it came down to I knew I'd get more hours on the water with the opens. And also, I know the elites is a very safe bet with the classic. And I know a lot of people in the elites. And they love So I just felt like the elites were a, a more safe bet for me. That's basically all it was. Cool. I love all of them, though. So, sounds like you you thought it through, though. It wasn't just you know a whim. It was it was definitive uh, strategic decision for yourself, which is which is uh, excellent. I mean, that's how you make a good career. You, you think about what you're doing, and then and then put a plan together, and then act upon it. And and uh, you're doing a fantastic job of that, bro. Um, let let's talk a little bit about this kind of generation gap we're seeing real quick in, mm-hmm. in the. Uh, in the fishing industry as a whole, my buddy Jody White, um, he he did some uh, numbers. Uh, he works with MLF. He did some numbers on Toyota Championship uh, a couple years ago, and it really showed. You know, fifteen years ago, like the thirty to fifty year old angler, because of the experience, seemed to be you know the better anglers throughout the the course of a year now we're starting to see this technology it seems like it's the technology that's changing uh the the course of the generation of who's successful and now you're seeing a lot of 20 to 35 year olds be more successful than the 35 to 50 year old crowd um what's your thought process on that uh do you feel it's you know some of the fundamentals of the game aren't as important now because of the technology. Um, just kind of overall, what's your, uh, what are you seeing as a young competitor in, in this sport? Yes. So here's the way I, I kind of think that it's going right now. 
and it's not 100% right, I'm sure, but this is kind of how I see it. So sure. with technology, back in the day, there was no Bass Live. I think the number one way of learning in bass fishing is 100% Bass Live. Okay. 100%. There's no, there's no doubt about it. So you got Bass Live. There's every there's tournaments going on everywhere. We got MPFL Live. We got Bass Live. We got in- <laughs> MLF. We got, right. got BB Live. We got Pro Circuit Live. So in one year with studying Bass Live, you can almost learn about almost every single lake in this country and watch some of the best anglers in the world compete against it. Yeah. So I think a lot of these younger kids, I think they're taking advantage probably more watching Bass Live. I think they probably take advantage of that side a little bit more. And plus cool. another thing is you take a 30 year, 30 year old in almost any sport and, or sorry, say a 40 year old is better. You take a 40 year old or, and you take a 20, 20 year old in any sport. I'm not going to say he will, but that 20 year old has the capabilities to outwork that 40 year old almost every single time. Now there are lazy 20 year olds and extremely hardworking 40 year olds. I think we see right. like, we see it all the time. Like we got Gerald Swindle. I mean, those guys aren't slowing down at all. That's why they're still competing. That's yeah. why they're still top of their game. And I think it comes down to a hard work. I think, you know, the learning curve is a lot shorter now because Bass Live, you don't have to go to these lakes and figure it out yourself. You can right. go, you can look at articles, you can look at Bass Live. There's so much information out there that it's becoming more of a hard work and initiative. Mm. I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think, I I think it makes sense. Yeah. I I see also, you know, for the older generation, they've been a little bit longer to really take Mm -hmm. into this this forward facing sonar deal too. I mean, uh, listen, I was listening to Gerald Swindle on Bass Live and the last time they were in Michigan, he didn't have forward facing sonar. His sponsor at that time didn't have the product to even Mm -hmm. utilize, but, um, you know, there's some resistance in that and like, ah, well, maybe I didn't need it. Whereas the younger generation seems to just take on to these new products, these new technologies a little bit faster. Um, maybe it's because they're looking for the latest and greatest thing. Not that the older mm-hmm. generation isn't, but but um, they're slower to conform to that because they see other experiences that have worked for them in the past whereas you didn't have those experiences right so you're looking for these experiences that are happening right now to take advantage of them absolutely and i think like what i mean if you it's pretty simple if you look at two pieces of paper one's got an entire essay written on it then you got one that's blank which one's easier to write on write a new (laughs) the blank one every time so when you got a blank canvas and you got so much information and then you also got a hard work ethic i think that it makes it, it, of course, it makes it extremely hard to, you know, you know, dial in. Like, can you imagine if you changed up, like, like, let's say, like, spear throwing in the Olympics or something like that. Like, right, right. this one way of throwing the spear or whatever. Javelin, javelin, right? Javelin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One way of throwing the best for you. But this guy figured out, well, if you do this, you get an extra 10 yards. Yeah, yeah. Those older guys, you know, they got all that muscle memory. You know, it's the same thing with bass fishing. They got all this muscle memory of learning how to catch fish this way, you know, do things this way, practice this way. And now it's And then also when you have a tough practice, you know, the, when kids have a tough practice, like, well, I suck, you know, I just I can't figure it out. So these older guys, like, you know, I'm having a tough practice, but I'm trying this new thing. Maybe I should just go back to the old way instead of trying to truly figure out the new way. So I think that's another learning curve. So that's kind of where I think, but I still think 
if you look at it, the bass fishing prime is still 35 to 45 okay. or 30, 30 to 40. I'll say. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's decreased a little bit. Yeah. It, yeah. it used to be 35 to 45 and now it's 30. Yeah. It's like 28 to 30, 38, I think. Cause yeah. Wheeler, all these guys that are like dominating the industry, they're all, you know, 30 plus. Yeah. They're still, yeah, they are. You know, yeah. they're still, you still need a lot of experience. You're these young kids aren't just going to come out here and dominate consistently. They're getting a, they're getting a lot, lot better, a lot quicker. I can tell you that. <laughs> All right, well, let, let's talk. What was that, JT? They're one hundred percent getting a lot better, a lot faster nowadays with all the technology and information. One yeah. hundred. Absolutely. All right. Um, the fall, man. We got you. Got uh, a major period in the year. Uh, this fall, fish are going to be chasing bait. You got three events left. You got uh, Watts Bar in the EQ series. Then um, I believe after that, you go to Lake Ozark, Lake of the Ozarks, and then finish up at a place that, that you've done well before down there at Harris Chain. Um, I mean, how do you, uh, you know, I don't want you to really like break down each event, but, but you know, how do you keep your eyes on the prize and, and what do you see coming up in these, these last three events to stay on top of the AOI standings or at the minimalist, you know, stay in that top eight to finish and qualify for the Bassmaster Elite Series in 2024? Absolutely. So first one we have is Watts Bar September. And I think we all know that Watts Bar's going through a little bit of a downturn. It's really, really tough. And um, I really like that. I, I love tough fisheries. I grew up on the Winyal Bay, one of the toughest fisheries there is. Like, I'm very adept to tough fisheries. So I'm looking forward to this event a lot. You know, I just got to go here. I'm actually at Watts Bar right now pre-practicing. That's where I'm okay. at. Awesome. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come here. I'm going to try to find out how to catch, you know, a limit. And then in the tournament, I'll try to figure out other deals. But, like, I think that one's going to be more of a grind to get a bite. You know, go fish grass here. Go fish a ledge here. Go fish. Go jerk beta this. Go flip a bluff wall. Go, I mean, go do a hundred different things to scramble together a limit. I, I enjoy fishing like that. And then I also think that Lake of the Ozarks, you know, fall fishing is all about junk fishing. Fishing off it. Of, and I think Lake of the Ozarks is going to be the same way. I think people are going to catch them in 30 foot off brush piles. I think. Some people are going to catch them off a rock. Some people catch them off bluffs. And some people catch them off docks. And some people might even figure out how to catch some suspended fish. Yeah. So I come down to, you know, typical fall fishing, covering a lot of water, fishing as many high percentage areas as you can in different depth zones and kind of figuring out the deal for that day. And then Harris chain, I think is going to be, you know, that's not typical fall fishery. You know, I think grass is going to be the number one player, of course. I mean, we're going to Florida. So, I don't know. I feel like Florida could be a really good event, but it could also be a really tough one because I think everyone knows that Florida is probably the most inconsistent, you know, lake, lakes in the country change so fast. Absolutely. I think it's late enough in the year, though, those fish will finally kind of get out of that sun, summer doldrum down there in Florida. I think September is – September would really suck down there, but time they get into October, you know, things are starting to shift a little bit down there. So I think it would probably be a pretty good event. I think Lake of the Ozarks, dude, that place just has a ton of fish. So even oh if they're in a funk, people are still going to catch – catch a lot of limits down there at Lake of the Ozark. And, and I, I think you're right on point with Watts bar, man. It's, it's on a downswing. It's tough fishing. It's going to be tough to get consistent limits there. And um, you, you're not going to need probably a whole lot of weight. It's just kind of going to be, you know, get you some five and, and you'll probably be feeling, feeling pretty happy about it. If you can get lucky and catch a couple three pounders, then, then you really be feeling good. So 
Huge. Yeah. All right, man. Last question. I'll let you get back out there uh, on the lake. Um, it's kind of a two-pronged deal. Number one, even though you're a young dude, you, you've got a lot of maturity about you. I can tell that you're through the interview and, and see it when, when you know, throughout, you know, watching you on the water and, and just being at events. But um, high school, college anglers, um, you know, looking for a path to success. We just talked a little bit in the, in the earlier uh, part of the show about the juniors and high school anglers there, um, you know, making some noise at Lake Hartwell. Um, you know, what, what do you feel like is the most important thing for those anglers that really have this passion? That The key to it, I feel like, is you've got this passion. Many other anglers have this passion. That the drive is so, so distinctive like so focused that that is what's helping you to be successful besides all the, the other things you talked about, putting in the work time and all that kind of stuff. But what do you feel like for, for a high school or college angler has to have in order to make this push that you're making at this moment? Absolutely. And um, like I said before, you know, I have an opportunity most don't have, so it's hard to, you know, speak on that in a lot of senses because I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity that my parents have given me. So that's one thing, but I also took a different route because of that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And sure. so high school fishing, I actually competed a couple years in high school or two years in high school, qualified for the national championship, stuff like that. And I think that's a great way for, uh, I think it's a really good way for kids to get in a tournament situation, you know, help, it helps them make tournament decisions at a young age and stuff like that. So I think that's a really great way. And I did not go to college. I decided against the college, you know, I could have went to college, but I feel like college would have restricted my time on the water. Mm-hmm. And I think they're, they're the two number one things in bass fishing is hard work and time on the water. That's the two number one ways of learning. And I don't think there's ever, I don't think it's ever going to change no matter where the sport goes, time on the water and hard work. Right. So, right. and I think, you know, when you, when I went to call, if we're, if, when kids go to college, I think it's amazing. You know, you become more well, well educated. You can take speech classes. You can learn how to, you know, you can attack the other side of the sport, which is the business side, the sponsor side, because that's probably it's, it's 50 50. If you you can catch can't get sponsored and afford to catch. Fish. So I think that's a, I think college is a really good job at educating young anglers to where they can represent themselves a lot better. It also I think. You know, you get a lot of sponsors that come with college. Like a lot of these college anglers, you see them stick with their college sponsors throughout their entire career. So it's a really good place to build relationships, you know, build relationships with anglers. Also become very good tournament anglers. Grow your popularity a lot more than the route that I took. And I really think, like, if I had to draw it back, I probably would have went to college. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would but I also could have gotten a couple wins in college and, you know, done some stuff over there. So we, you never know what can happen, but I think there's whichever route you take, there's a great opportunity for you there. And I think that as long as you work extremely hard and, you know, that's just what you got to do. Time on the water, work extremely hard. I think a lot of, a lot of problems will fix themselves with those two, you know, recipes. Right. Man, I, I couldn't agree more. I see, uh, 
see a lot of college anglers doing really well in the opens. Um, they create a lot of industry relationships through mm-hmm. those experiences as well, whether it's through the organizations or sponsors, like, like you mentioned, uh, people that they meet throughout that process of being in college and just competing on, on, you know, that level, just like you're meeting people competing on the level that you are as well. So it's, it's a, it's a two pronged approach, but uh, I, I think there's no right way. The, uh, the end goal is the same, right? <laughs> Get out there, fish, make the elites or make the Bass Pro Tour, whatever, whatever the goal might be for each individual angler to, uh, have you know hopefully a potentially successful uh career on the national level i think that um i see like the dakota e-bears the the matt beckers and and some of these mid-30s guys like you're talking about and the success that they're having that that just started maybe you know five or six years ago uh fishing on the pro circuit or or fishing in the opens and and now coming through the elites i think this class this rookie class that's going to come from 2023, moving into the elites in 2024, is probably going to be the most dominant rookie class that we've ever seen throughout the history of bass fishing, just because of what you've talked about in this interview. The process that you have to go through to get there now is so stringent, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch to see where you guys go, hopefully uh, I think you're going to be a part of that mix. So, man, you got any final thoughts here before we shut down the interview? You spent a ton of time with us here today. I super appreciate that. But uh, any any closing thoughts for Bass Edge Nation before we uh, let you get back out there on the water? Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for giving me this opportunity and this amazing podcast. You know, I really appreciate any opportunity that I get. And thank you for giving me a shot. And I really enjoyed my time on here. Well asked question. Questions were asked are awesome. I enjoy my time awesome, and man. look forward to doing it again in the future. Well, we, we look forward to having you back on uh, again, you know, hopefully as an elite series qualifier, man, if we can, if we can do that later on this fall or maybe early next year before you start your 2024 season, that'd be fantastic. But, uh, well, thanks JT. As I mentioned before, we're going to let you get back out there on the water. We're going to be right back with some closing thoughts from me. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the tournament stuff that's coming up here in the near future. But thanks again, JT. You take care. Bass Edge Nation, we'll be right back after the short message. Nitro, a rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champions. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. All right, man. Welcome back. More Bass Edge Radio. What an interview with JT Tompkins, man. It was fun to get to know that young fella. Um... I mean, he's really making a mark in this industry. Uh, I, I'm going I'm to go ahead and say, I don't know if I've ever said this on Bass Edge Radio. Um, 
But man, if there's a sponsor out there looking for a young angler, uh, he might be a, a, a great get. <laughs> so, uh, man, uh, JT really lit it up in the interview, told us a lot about what he thought about the EQs and, and uh, how that process, of course, forward-facing sonar, big part of his game. But, man, that guy is just straight up putting in hard work. Dude, it's it's. I mean, he's got the opportunity to, to be out there. He's utilizing it, and he's not just, you know um, – blowing it off, you know, as you might say. So it's uh, super cool to see that uh, from JT. Love his approach. Love his uh, maturity for such a young age, man. Guy's 21, won a Toyota Series at 19, uh, won a BASS Open at 20 years old, fished the Bassmaster Classic this year. Um, man, it's uh, he, he's, he's, he's got He's got it, dude. I think I think JT Tomlin has got it. We're going to be seeing him on the Elite Series in 2024. I'm going to just go ahead and call it right now. Whether he's leading the Angler of the Year or not, if he was close and we had this interview right now and we knew he was at Watts Bar already practicing for that September event, putting that time in, uh, how, do you, how do you bet against a guy like that? So uh, great job, JT. Appreciate you being on the show. Man, there is uh, – some cool events going on right now. Right now, today started the final regular season event of the Bass Pro Tour on Saginaw Bay. Uh, we're going to crown a new uh, Angler of the Year, the Bally Bets. I think uh, that's what they call the Bally Bets Angler of the Year on the Bass Pro Tour. You got four guys in the mix there. You got Dakota Ebear, young, young, you know, middle-aged guy, but really making his mark in the fishing industry. You've got uh, Jacob Wheeler. Um, Alton Jones Jr. Uh, has had a fantastic year. He's he's leading going into the event, so it's going to be uh, be cool to watch how that goes. There's one other guy in the mix, and I don't have it in my notes, but but I know those three are in the mix. So can you know? Sorry, sorry, I left that person out, but uh, man, it's going to be a fun event to watch. Do they go for largemouth? Do they go for smallmouth? Do they play it safe? Uh, I think Saginaw Bay is going to bring a lot of. Uh, just, just a lot of interesting strategic decisions. It's still best five. So, you know, history says the smallies will take it. But, man, that National Professional Fishing League, you know, uh, event we just watched there just showed the abundance of largemouth in that place. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Then um, after that Saginaw Bay wraps up on the uh, 6th of August, um, then it's right into the Toyota Series, which I will be in that event. The Toyota Series Northern Division at stop number two up on the St. Lawrence River. Going to be a little bit of a precursor maybe to what happens at the BASS Final Elite Series event. That's going to happen just a week or so after that Toyota Series event. It's uh, closer there to the end of August, but uh, that's going to be, uh, should be another great event. Midsummer event, probably going to have more fish uh, school up deep. I know in the open event, you saw, you know, some guys having su some success shallow, some guys having some success deep as well. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that progression has continued to establish there on the St. Lawrence River. Um, and, and then, you know, coming up for the elite event that that's going to be happening there as well. But then uh, Champlain left for the elite series. St. Lawrence left for the Elite Series. It's going to be a shootout, man. All right, that's going to be the end of this show, Bass Edge Radio, uh, coming to you again 
like I said, from the cabin here in Western PA. I love doing the show from up here, out here on the porch. It's uh, it's beautiful weather. For all you folks down south, I think it was like 59 degrees this morning, by the way. A little chilly, I know, but I know folks back at my house in Del Rio, Texas, they'd be loving this kind of weather right now. But anyway, we're going to have a new episode coming back on August 15th. So y'all stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed this August 1 edition of Bass Edge Radio. As I say, we'll be back again August 15th. Don't forget, hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Leave us a comment below. Tell you what you tell me what you think about Bass Edge and what you heard here in this episode of Bass Edge Radio. Man, we enjoyed bringing it to you. Um, until next time, adios. So long, everybody from Bass Edge Radio.